0: Welcome back to the program. I'm really, really happy and and excited, and and uh, just uh, just honored to to welcome our next guest joining us. Uh, as you know, we, we talk a lot about documentary films. Uh, I'm a huge fan of them. I think they make a big impact in the way that we think and the way that we live. And uh, there there's a new film that uh, I want everybody to see. It's called No Place on Earth, and uh, the website noplaceonearthfilm.com. dot It is. One of the most original and fascinating stories about Holocaust survivors uh, that that you could have ever you couldn't have imagined the story. And joining me now is the director of this film and one of the subjects, one of the actual survivors of uh, of what happened here, and a Holocaust survivor herself. Um, and I'm so very excited that they're both joining me. Janet Tobias is the director, and I'm also joined by Sonia. Uh, am I pronouncing it right, Dodike? That's right, Sonia so- Dodik. Sonia Dodik, thank you so much for joining us, Sonia. We're so happy to have you in studio here. Thank You're you. You're 79 years old, is that right? That's correct. Uh, and, um, well, I, I want to get to so much of your story, but I want to first go to uh, the director of this film, Janet Tobias. Janet, you've, done, you've had a pretty impressive career uh, in television and, and as a filmmaker. Um, tell us about why you chose to make a film about Sonia's uh, story, her family, And and what is so unique about this story before I give it all away?
1: It was simply the best adventure survival story of any type in the mountains, on the desert, uh, in the sea, that I had ever heard before. Um, It's a story of 511 days underground between two caves. And the women and the children lived in one cave for 344 uninterrupted days, which is the longest uninterrupted survival underground. Sonia,
0: I want to ask a lot about, about your life and your experience and your journey, but forgive me for asking the next question. Why didn't you tell this story or someone else who had been there with you? It's such an important, such a unique story, and yet it almost kind of, it, I mean, it really was, almost accidentally discovered these caves and your existence in them. Did you, had you tried to tell your story before? Our story
2: was told among the family. My grandmother in 1960, Esther Sturmer, sat down and wrote a book, How We Survived for Her Children and for Her Grandchildren. We would always talk about this story, about among ourselves. But people really didn't believe us when we told them that we were underground Mm -hmm. for so many days. So we stopped telling the story, and the book was just given to Yad Vashem, Holocaust Museum, and we would talk about it every day, every night, my uncle Sal, that is 92 years old, and he still he lives in Montreal, he would come up to my house, we were in Florida, and every night we would have dinner, and after dinner we spoke about the grotto. He would tell me, this month I did this, hmm. that month I did that, we always spoke about the grotto. It was never The grotto never left us because this grotto was a mother grotto. She gave us life, and we're grateful to that
0: grotto. It's not something that most of us would think of that a cave, that you refer to as a grotto, of course, uh, would give life. Janet, what about what Sonia just said about people not believing the story? I mean, um, there's always been people who have denied Horrifically, the Holocaust. But, but I mean, was it people within the Jewish community? Was it were the people within the Holocaust museums that there just wasn't evidence to 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 bring the story to life?
1: No, I, th- I think within the Jewish museum world, people absolutely believe the story. And actually, okay. one of the um, the former directors of Shoah told me that in all of his reading of stories, that he'd come across this. And when I asked about it, and he said he thought it was one of the most amazing stories he'd ever heard of. of Thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of stories. Um, and so, but what made it real was an explorer, a New York State investigator and cave explorer named Chris Nicola, went to the Ukraine um, and went into this cave and found dozens of objects buttons, shoes, plates, and a 150 pound grinding stone. And he said, What on earth? This is a community. Who lived here?
0: And, and, and then how did he, uh, this, this explorer, Chris, how did he uh, get, find Sonia and, and her family? How, how do we connect that? It took
1: him nine long years because wow. he is an investigator. He would go back every year, research the objects. He started going door <laughs> to door in the village in Ukraine saying, who lived there? Have you heard anything? At first, no one would talk to him because he was an outsider. And then slowly people begin to say... Maybe some Jews lived there. But he could, you know, he looked in the backs of books. He looked for any evidence that people had written or talked about it and nothing, nothing. And he almost gave up. And thanks to the Internet, he put in some keywords um, on his new uh, website um, in the caving world and hoped that people searching for their family history would um, reference those keywords. And lo and behold, nine years in, um, an email came across the transom saying, I think that's my father-in-law's story, and he was living seven miles from one of the survivors.
0: And, and, and there were always rumors, uh, right, of that that Jews had descended in these caves to hide um, during the uh, be, from from the Nazis and, and so on, right? I mean, there were yes. there were those rumors, but there wasn't really a lot of confirmation. And I think the sad reason is because so many uh, people had been killed in the Holocaust or or didn't live that long.
1: Right, the village, basically where the cave is, has no more Jews living there, and. Five, less than 5% of the Jews in this province survived the war.
0: Sonia Didek is here in, in, in studio. She's in studio and she is a 79-year-old Holocaust survivor. She survived by descending into caves. Sonia, uh, tell us a bit about your story. Tell us uh, well, how old you were and, and, and why your family uh, and who led your family into these caves and how on earth you survived.
2: Let me tell you something. I had a very, very smart grandmother. And when the Germans said we have to go to the ghetto, my grandmother said, we're not going to the ghetto. We're not going to the slaughterhouse. They're just getting us all together so they can have their hands on us. So she asked my uncle Nissel to go to try to find a place where he could make a big bunker. We were staying in bunkers. We never left our town. My grandmother had a big house and there were six bunkers and we stayed in those bunkers. He came back and he said he spoke to a doctor and a dentist and they have family in the ghetto and they think that the Brteva, the Bilcha that was in the village where my grandmother was born, that we should go and hide there. This was in November following day, we all got together, and we went to the first grotto. First of all, when a little girl comes into a grotto, after being in bunkers all those months, in a bunker, you have to sit in a very small little place, and my mother would always keep her finger on her mouth, I should be quiet, I shouldn't say anything. So when we came to the grotto, my God, even though it was dark and it was muddy and it was wet. But I could run. I could stand up. I could scream. I could talk. I could sing. To me, it was heaven. We came to this grotto. We were like 28 people. But we had problem in that grotto. There was no water there, so we had to put pots near the stones and we would get drippings. My father and my uncle and my grandfather had badges, and they were free, they had horse and wagon. They were collecting scrap iron for the German government. Of course, they paid off the Gestapo for that. So they would come at night and bring us water and bring us food. Then one day, my grandmother said, we have an entrance, but we have to have an exit. In case they come in, we have to look for an exit. So my Uncle Sal, Sturmer, became the engineer in our grotto, and he looked and looked and he found a place where he thought that he could go through the rocks and go all the way through to make a tunnel so we would have another exit. And this is what happened. We How? moved...
0: Go ahead, Sonya. sorry.
2: We moved away from that place, and he, he dug through five stories high He made an exit, and he found two chains from wells and he hung them up. He made steps that we could walk up on that exit. And we all moved to a place where nobody has ever walked on earth there. Because this grotto was a grotto for tourists. But this was winter now, and we were hoping that we'll be able to survive there. But... We didn't have the luck. In this time of the year, in March, April, the Gestapo discovered us. When the Gestapo Gestapo discovered us, my grandmother Esther said, try to hide and I'll go out and I'll speak to the Gestapo. Can you imagine a Jewish woman to get up and to go to greet the Gestapo?
0: No. Well, I cannot she, imagine that.
2: Well, she did, and she said to them, so you found us. So what are you afraid? If a few children and women survive the war, the Fuhrer is going to lose the war? What do you want from us? We live here like rats. So one of them said, Menschen wohnen nicht in keine Heiler. People don't live in, in stones and rocks and caves. Anyway, they pushed my grandmother aside, and all of a sudden, my mother pushed me under the bed, but there was no room for her and my sister. All of a sudden, I see black boots and a light, and I see they're taking my mother and my sister away. I know they have my grandmother because I heard her speak, and I didn't know how many other people they found. And I'm I'm nine, not even nine years old, and I want to cry, and I want to scream, But I know that I'm not supposed to, because my mother wants me to live. And they took my mother and my sister away and all the other people. And those that survived, we started to go up the exit. It took us a few hours till we could get through. And this was our luck, because the Ukrainian police was watching. And if we would have come out during the day, they would have killed us all. Anyway, we all es- escaped. Those that remained, my grandmother ran away from the Gestapo, and so did my uncle Sam. How many
0: escaped? Two you
2: escaped know? from the Gestapo. How
0: in- many? H- how how many? Uh, well, let me let me ask a more important question. You're, you've been hearing the voice of Sonia Dodik. She is a 79-year-old Holocaust survivor explaining uh, this refuge that they found in these caves, and and you heard it. My question, though, is is now to Janet, who is uh, the filmmaker uh, of this of this special that everybody needs to see. It's no place on earth, no place on earth um, Janet, listening to Sonia talk and thinking about how long you've worked with her, can you tell me what kind of a person she is? What what you've learned from her as uh, just on a human level?
1: Sonia is a is a incredibly kind and really tough person. Um, a sort of very rare mix of kindness and understanding of what people go through, but also real fierceness. I think of her in the family as her grandmother's daughter, and her grandmother hmm. Esther was a warrior. She literally yeah, she was a She sounds like warrior.
0: an epic legend of a human. Yeah,
1: Grandma. she absolutely was. Right. She was sort of, as the family jokes, she looked a tiny bit like gold in my ear and sort of had that personality. <laughs>
0: hmm. um, Sonia, tell me about how long you thought you would be there, how long you were there, and, and how many people lived there for the, for the longest period of time and, and, and survived. How, well, I mean, how long did you think you would be living in this grotto?
2: Well, in this grotto, we didn't know exactly how long we'll, we'll be there because it was a tourist grotto. When we ran away from this grotto, we came back to our my grandmother's house and we went back into bunkers and again my grandmother said to my uncle Nissel go and look in the forest you have a friend the forester maybe you can build a bunker in the forest but what happened was this forester told my uncle that he went fox hunting and he saw a fox go into a hole and he said to him, take some rope and take some men and go and look. I think there is a cave there. Sure enough, on May the 1st, 1943, my uncle, Nissel Stermer and his brothers Shulam Sal and the two Dudek brothers and de Kurtz went and my uncle Nissel went the first one down and he screamed, hey, there is, there, is, there is something here. Come down, come down. They came down. They had to crawl a lot. And all of a sudden, they came into a big room. They couldn't believe themselves. It was a, a giant, giant room. Because a grotto is you have small places, you have high places.
0: This it's one, funny that you call it a room. I mean, that's you call it a room. It seems like because that's how you treated it, but but discovering it, you you wouldn't probably declare it a, a room, right? You would say, I mean, is that is that fair that you call it that because you live there as as you know a person does in a to home? To
2: us, it was a it was like a big room. It right. was like a big, almost like a church, almost as hmm. high as a church, maybe wow. even higher. And then my uncle Shulam gave a knock of a a, a little pebble. And all of a sudden he heard, and he says, Let's go and see what this is. And we saw we have two lakes. We have water. In this grotto, we had water. God. Hmm. My grandmother wrote in her book that God alone created this grotto for us so we could survive. On May the 5th, 38 people gathered on a hill, and it was a big ditch. And we, you had to go into mud, and the men would maneuver you. You had to go first with your feet. Thirty-eight people on May the fifth, nineteen forty-three, went into this grotto.
0: Five families, right?
2: Five families, and in this grotto, we survived. We, no one from us was sick. Nobody got killed during the war while we were, before we were liberated. The men, they would go out, and we never knew if they'll come back or not. The hardship they lived through. But they were so great. They had such courage and such ingenuity. And everyone from, the fam- from every family, a man would go out or two men would go out and provide provisions. The women the children never left. We were always safe. You don't know what it meant to be safe for a few weeks. And a peasant, let's say you're in a peasant's bunker, and he comes in the middle of the night and he says, Ide, go. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to go? (laughs) Or he would come in and take your possessions, and he called the Ukrainian police and they would kill you. But we were masters of our own destiny. It is a story that my grandmother wrote about it, my grandchildren talk about it, and I hope that my great grandchildren and great grandchildren will tell the story how how we fought to survive. My grandmother's well, book is Fight to Survive.
0: Well, Janet Tobias is telling that story as the director of, of this film, No Place on Earth uh, Sonia, what was the worst part, and what was it strange to ask, but what was the best part about living in, in a cave? Uh, where you would eventually emerge from after, I believe, 511 days. Worst, best?
2: The best was that we were not scared, that we could be free. I know we were living in mud, and we were living in stones and wetness, and all those things that... It's unbelievable, if you see the movie, you can't believe that people lived like that. But we were so happy that nobody was killing us, and nobody was telling us to move or to throw us out. The worst part was when the men went out for food. They went to get potatoes from the fields. They had to cut their own wood. They were so energetic, they were so brave, but when they would go out, we never knew if they'll come back. I used to sit with the women. I was already nine years old, and I would sit with the women like an old woman, and I would wait, a little boy would come from the entrance and would say, the men are back. Hmm. And I would sit with my mother and my grandmother and my aunts and all the other women. And we would sit and nobody would talk. And we wouldn't breathe even. When we heard the men are back, everyone would say, oh, thank God. And we knew that we'll be safe for two months or six weeks The men brought in provisions. And for six weeks, the men were safe and we were all together. You know what it meant to look out and to see your grandmother, your grandfather, your aunts and uncles, your sister, your mother, your father. And my father was such a courageous man. How he worked so hard to provide food for us. But it was, we were... We were so fortunate to be the whole family together and not to be afraid that somebody is going to come in and kill us. They tried to shoot after my uncles came into the to the hall, to the entrance, and they used to watch us. They would watch us for four weeks, five weeks. There was always a man sitting in the front and listening. If people are coming, people used to come, like on Sunday, they, this was their outings. They would come and see their Jede Jiut, where the Jews live. They knew we were there, but they couldn't come in because they had to come in with their feet first. And we were very, very fortunate that no man was caught because that would have been a catastrophe.
0: Janet, as we listen to, to Sonia talk and, and we listen to her story, everybody gets goosebumps. Everybody has a hard time imagining what that could possibly be like, or that men would do such a thing to other, other men and women, children in this case, the Holocaust. Those are the questions we always ask, but how did you decide to tell this story? I know you met with Chris who discovered the caves and then you, you went and met um, the Sturmers and, and, and obviously uh, Sonia, how did you, you must've had a struggle with how you decided you wanted to, to shoot this film and 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 you eventually brought the family back there and so on i mean um tell us how you told the story and how you came to the decisions that you did um to tell this very delicate and important story
1: when i met the sturmers um it was unlike any other holocaust story that i'd ever heard it among the really great both dramas and documentaries about the holocaust is that they were masters of their own fate. They weren't relying on um, a sewer worker to protect them, um, someone to hide them in a house in the Netherlands. They were um, providing for themselves. Um, and they, the, Sonia's uncles had such pride and almost, again, a peculiar word, joy, about what they were yeah. able to accomplish. And so when they tell the story, there is anger and sorrow, but there's also laughter um, and I thought, you know, we have to capture that and that range of feeling. Um, and so in doing that, we thought about how you would um, create a film. And the first thing was they all wanted to go back to the Ukraine. As Sonia's sister Sima said, she wanted to say thank you to the cave for keeping them safe. Um, and Saul said, I want to see my cave. I want to see my cave. Um, and so we uh, organized a trip back to rural Ukraine um, Sonia and Seema had never been back since they left. Um, and um, we uh, figured out how we might be able to get them into the cave, which took a massive construction effort. Um, and uh, hmm. we were a huge effort with a crew of about 15 people who did construction. Was
0: that, what, was that because of their age or was it because of trying to get your equipment in to film? I mean, you just I only ask because they were able to get in there when they were children, when they were younger, perhaps, um, and, and and why not? What was the difference between then and now?
1: Um, both- Nature? Nature, age, and uh, equipment. So right. in terms of nature, the cave opening had shifted. Um, mm. In terms of, it was always tiny. The reason no one came in after them is you went down a tiny, tiny hole feet first where they actually had someone 100 feet down with an ax. So if you'd gotten down, they would have chopped off your feet. Um, and then you crawl in a narrow 70-foot passage, descending and winding, where no man on my crew could actually go um, face first. They all had to squeeze sideways. Um, and then you're in smaller rooms, which have gigantic running water runoff, which is with mud trenches, and then you finally get to the bigger rooms. And so um, we had to construct a way that, m- that maybe um, people could go in and be safe. Um, and then also we had to bag every piece of equipment, and it took hours every day to take the equipment in and out.
0: What do you hope to achieve through, through this film? Is it simply awareness?
1: I, I think it, for me, it actually always from the beginning had, um, had a resonance of, it's a story about survival and the best of what friendship and um, family can give you that in really impossible situations, when you are connected to other human beings, you can do things that you never thought were possible. Right. And so I think of it as not just awareness, but a story for all of us. All of us have difficult moments. All of us today face challenges. Um, and that this story is for all of us um, about how, and how we can proceed and what we can accomplish and that we all really depend on each other. Um, and by depending on each other... Because you have an engineer, a um, former cavalry officer, a brilliant general and a mother, um, a really kind person in Sonia's mother who would cook food for children who were starving. That, right. that combination produces greatness and that by, by depending on each other, we can do things that are unimaginable.
0: I, I, I could talk to, uh, to, to you uh, both, uh, especially just hearing Sonia's story for hours and hours. We have limited time. But Sonia, with the time that I have left, I have two more questions. And, and my, uh, one is, you, know, you mentioned God a couple of times. It seems clear that you still have uh, faith um, yes. and that you did then. Okay, so the question for, I think, any Holocaust survivor is when you say we thank God that there was water, God was looking out for us, we trusted in God, how do you, how do you justify what happened? With over six million Jews being slaughtered, and and what you, you know what, what you believe also happened with with uh, God created for you to have this refuge uh, and saving grace. How do how does any Holocaust survivor maintain their faith through that?
2: May I say something to you?
0: Anything you want.
2: My mother's family is the Sturm family. The Dodek family was an action. They came in the first day of Sukkos in 1942. And and they took out my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my grandmother, an uncle, and five aunts. And they took them all to Belzes, to a concentration camp. And they gassed them with cyclone gas. This was the first time that they used cyclone gas. I lost an entire family, just like you when you write on a blackboard and then you erase it this is how I erased my father's whole family was erased and one day they took away three quarters of our town we all cried my grandmother was a very very religious woman my grandfather and my great grandfather were all orthodox religious and we questioned where was God that something like this could happen but then we but then we turn around and we say there has to be a god there must be a god in order to be a human being in order to believe what is right or what is wrong in order you shouldn't go and kill another people because somebody killed your brother you go ahead and you kill their brother we were not taught that we were taught to believe in god and somehow it came back to us. It's something that was in our veins. As much as we were questioning God, why did this happen? And we used to pray to God it shouldn't happen. But we still believed in God. And we were still grateful to God that at least one, two grandchildren remained from my grandparents. And I I carry, my my grandparents' name was Dodik. And I go when I speak or when I tell somebody, I always say I'm Sonia Dotek, so their name is remembered.
1: Hmm.
0: L- when you went through what you went through, any survivor of of the Holocaust or or, or any kind of a time and and a, a, any any kind of situation in a time, any kind of survivor goes through. How do you How do you use that in in your life? What should we think about in 2013 when we look at the troubles of the world? Do you look at it a different way because of what you uh, had to endure and what you survived? Um, You probably look at sunlight in a different way every day than most of us having not seen it for over 500 days. How do you look at life surviving what you survived?
2: You look at life the way it comes. Just because I went through Hitler and I survived the war doesn't mean that we didn't have trials and tribulations in my life here in the United States. We had good days. We had bad days. I lost a daughter of 54 years old. You have Hmm. the same problems that everybody else has. But you do know one thing, that you know that somehow tomorrow is going to be a better day and you have to hope for that tomorrow. And you know that you have to fight for tomorrow. Even though my daughter passed away, she was hit by a car and she had a terrible accident. Her leg was severed. Then she had maladies, whatever it is. But she had hope. And I always hope that one day a doctor will come and he'll fix this. And one day God will help and this will help. You have to have faith. I have two other children, and I have three grandchildren. My, hmm. And I am very, very grateful to God for them. And I pray to God that they should have a good life. But life isn't always wonderful. But we have to fight for tomorrow and have hope. If a person doesn't have hope, then a person has nothing to look forward to. And you have to believe in God.
0: Well, you are uh, just as you know, I'm sure, an inspiring, inspiring human being. And it has just been an honor and a pleasure uh, to have you join me in in our conversation that we do every day. I thank you so much, and um, I I hope more and more people hear your voice and, more importantly, um, uh, see this film, uh, which documents what your family endured in such a unique and, and, and artistic and respectful way. Janet, congratulations to you for making this film. Thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you,
0: Janet, uh, Tobias and Sonia at Dodik. Go see uh, this film. No place on earth dot com for locations and showtimes. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.